Fisher that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's is Eternals Nerd Out. I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda. The wild yet elusive Jekka. Hello. And Burn Brady Burn. Hello. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, we're talking the MCU's Eternals a little later, but we're also going to be talking the final. Ghostbusters trailer is teasing the return of the original Ghostbusters. Plus, the official poster for Spider-Man No Way Home uh, pretty much 100% confirms Green Goblin is in it. Patty Jenkins' Star Wars Rogue One movie has been delayed, and a whole lot more, so make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say. Plus 10 Nerd XP to you. We love you guys. Nerd XP. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. Nerd XP. But in the meantime, Brady, what's nerdy with you, man? Uh, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of time to nerd out on stuff. Um, I've been playing a video game a lot. Um, have you ever heard of Space Engineers? Probably not. I don't know. I have not. Um, so I've been playing a game similar to that called Stormworks, where it's all... It's like one of... I think it's like mine. I don't want to say Minecraft. It's uh, like space engineers on the sea. Anyway, there's a lot of lot. It's it's one of those games you can make really complicated if you want to. Um, and I tend to do that. So I've been doing that. But yeah, I've, I've just been busy with life stuff. A good friend of mine came into town from Germany. Um, guy I've known longer than anyone in my life except for uh, my sibling. And he gave me a call yesterday. Said, "Hey, I'm in town. Um, you want to go have dinner?" And I hadn't seen him in. Well, since September of 04, and I was like, yes. So went and met up with him, but just been staying busy. Not a, t- a lot of time to nerd out on anything lately. Well, it's cool that your friend came in. Yeah, it was it was really good to see him. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, we have many, many stories uh, for one another throughout our lives about, <laughs> about our different uh, hmm. our different adventures. <laughs> maybe we, maybe we should have had him on the podcast well, to his, get some fa- backstories. His favorite one was when uh, he was he was seven, so I would have been five, and he lived in this little duplex, and he had a big pile of dirt out in front of his house. That was fun for us back then, right? I want a pile of dirt, <laughs> and he said he was standing in there talking to his mom, and he heard. Bump, 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 on his roof and saw five-year-old me fall past his kitchen window. Whoa! Oh, <laughs> so, five-year-old? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were, yeah. There were not that many, uh, the, the efforts to keep us safe back then weren't nearly as stringent <laughs> as they are today. <laughs> yeah, so there are a lot of stories like that, sticking each other inside of those big wooden spools and rolling each other down the hill and all that, so... Uh. Well, we're glad you're alive and with us today. (laughs) Working on living forever and so far so good. (laughs) (sighs) Jacob, what's nerdy with you? Um, So I finished watching the second season of Lock and Key. And I I don't know if if anyone's watched it. It's a Netflix original. 
Um, it's based off a comic book series, or comic books, some comic books. And um, my brother read them and he said that Netflix really toned it down and made it slightly more kid friendly. <laughs> He's like, mm. yeah, he was like, I like it was kind of a shock to him when because he watched the TV show, the first season of the TV show. And then he like got a comic book and started reading it. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to have my kids read this kind of thing. Um but yeah, so this premise behind it is this family, their their dad, they lose their dad in this like kind of horrifying tragic event where he get he got shot. Um and so they move to his childhood home in Massachusetts called Key House and the kids start finding all these keys that do different things. And they encounter this demon that's trying to get all the keys so the demon can unleash other demons into the world. So there's like a very much an oh, wow. kind of thing. But so, yeah, this, the second season came out and I finished it and it was, it was good. I liked it. I didn't care for the ending. They, it was one of those things where they like got rid of the bad guy and then they introduced a new bad guy to set up for a third season. And I'm just not feeling it with this new bad guy. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So how far past the first episode will my kids get actually hooked? Mm-hmm. I, I was hooked the first episode. I have attempted to get my kids hooked on lock and key so I could watch it with them. And so far I have not been able to get them past the first episode. Really? I've tried twice. Wow. Yeah. Our kids are the okay. same way. We got, we got like, uh, I don't know, three episodes in and they're both kind of like, meh. I wonder if like, cause it does focus more on the older teenagers in that first season. So I wonder if well, maybe that's fo- why. Focus pretty well, at least on the first episode on the young boy. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I'm trying though, because I really want to watch it. <laughs> Season I just one don't have time phenomenal. without my kids. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I like I, I was hooked on it from the get-go from the first episode. So I can't tell you. <laughs> well, that's cool that you finished the second season though. Yeah. So that's awesome. All right, Amanda, what's nerdy with you? So I got back into State of Survival, my little mobile game that I like to play. And She's even more hooked than she was last time. <laughs> well, I, I'm coming into a problem. So I'm, I'm playing with a lot of international people, and which means they want to play when it's like three in the morning for me. And they'll set up events that start at three in the morning. And I'm like, I just can't make this. I just can't make those. Well, you could. It, but the rewards are not worth me waking up at three in the morning. Oh, I'm with it. I'm right there with you. The only way I wake up at three in the unholy hours of the morning is for travel or for hiking. That's it. And <laughs> and so they're, they're they're trying to like have it be more balanced. They've tried to like they they've tried to set it up where it's like seven eight o'clock when they do events, and I'm like, this has been great, and then. Daylight saving ends, and now I'm back going, okay, well, that's going to start at 5 in the morning for me now. It's just not going to work. 6 in the morning is a lot more doable than 5. Uh, yeah. Cross-time zone gaming groups are are sometimes very difficult to uh, sort out. But, yeah, so that's, that's what's nerdy with me is trying to sort out international time zones. Well... We got a lot of nerd news to talk about, so let's get to it. 
Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, the final trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife has been released. And this new trailer is packed with a ton of new footage. We know people are already excited for this movie, but prepare to get even more excited because this trailer is teasing the return of the original Ghostbusters. In the film, Egon Spangler's family moves to a small town where they learn about their grandfather's legacy and that he used to catch ghosts for a living. I love this story. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ghostbusters Afterlife will hit the theaters on November 19th, 2021. So let's take a listen to that trailer and discuss afterwards. I remember Revelations. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. Judgment Day. Raise a call. I'm calling about what happened in New York. There hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years. Oh my god. What is happening here? My grandfather was a Ghostbuster. Something was coming and he knew it. I think we've opened the gates of hell. Hey, have you missed us? I can't wait. This is going to be the movie, I think, that gets me back in the theater. I haven't been to a theater in what seems like forever, but I think this is the one. You know, you don't learn a whole lot more from this trailer, which I'm okay with. Some of the visuals in there, like that one demon or whatever it was crawling up, that was pretty fierce. Um, but, yeah, I, I I am so pumped for this and to, and to uh, hear him go, Yeah, did you miss us? Yes, and that was and, – and that was – Peter Vankman himself, played by Bill Murray. Woohoo! I thought well, it was, was Garfield. Excited. What? I thought it was Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> he does the voice of Garfield. <laughs> oh, does he really? Yeah. Yeah, I oh, think I he did in the. Oh my word! You're right. He does. One, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never realized. Um, that. I never put two and two together. Yeah. That he is... ha- he hated it too. Contractually, yeah. he had to do it. So apparently well, Amanda has like a Ghostbusters jacket. Are you going to wear that to the theater? So all of my kids, like I have costumes ready for my kids. Um, it's going to be Arwen's first time in the theater. <gasps> Fun! And well, so wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes. It will not be her first time in the theater. No, her first time in the theater so will be with excited. Star Wars. I went out and bought her a Ghostbusters and a jacket. Will be her first time in the theater. Um, Okay, anyway, let's move on from this topic. Hold on, one has a jumpsuit. It's really exciting, and one is going to be the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Oh, when, when, when we come home, Arwen will be able to see the costumes that the kids wore to the theater. He is holding anyway, on to this. Like, let's move like, on. By his nails. Let's move on. And he's hey, just not willing we to are proper, yet. We're proper parents. Her first movie in the theater will be we'll a Star, be Star Wars movie. Yes, Ghostbusters after Star Wars movie. All right, let's move on. Because the new Spider-Man No Way Home poster, guess what? 
It's pretty much confirming William Defoe's Green Goblin is in the movie. That's right. The new post. What was that? Willem. Wow, my word. I keep. How can somebody be named Willem and not William? You should probably ask Willem's parents. (laughs) Just saying. Willem Defoe's Green Goblin is in the movie. The new poster. For Spider-Man No Way Home recently dropped online. And while it puts the focus on Tom Holland's Spider-Man, it also offers our first real look at Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. It's just a little look at him flying around the background off to the right. But that's definitely him. The poster also teases Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, which we've known is coming back. And Jamie Foxx's Electro, which we know he was coming back. But we also believe that sand in the background twirling around is teasing Tom Hayden Church's Sandman from Spider-Man 3. So this upcoming movie is going to see Peter Parker team up with Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange as they find themselves in a wild multiverse adventure after Peter asks Strange to make people forget that he's Spider-Man. So Spider-Man No Way Home hits theaters on December 17th, 2021. What do you guys think of this poster? So I am super excited about the poster. Um, I'm, you get the Electro in it and Sandman and Green Goblin and Doc Ock. And like I'm trying to like look down and like see if I can see anything more because I really feel like there's more in there. I just can't see it very well. Um, but they're definitely trying to like really tease all of them, and I'm super, super excited. You know, I'm, I'm, I was kind of hoping that maybe down by uh, Spider-Man's foot, we might see a little bit of the uh, Black Symbiote, you know, kind of creeping its way up, but we don't see that at all. But that's definitely William Defoe, and that is pretty dang cool. I mean, well, we heard his cackle. Dang it, Willem. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> You know, we were talking about this before the podcast, and Brady Brady informed me that many times over in previous podcasts, I've mispronounced his name. Uh, Who's that? Willem Defoe's. Anyways, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is right around the corner, December 17th. I cannot wait to be talking that. That's going to be a lot of fun. But moving on, the second trailer for Morbius has been released. That's right. Here it is. Sony Pictures have released a second trailer for its upcoming Marvel film, Morbius, and features a lot of cool new footage of Jared Leto in action as the living vampire. Um, the trailer is set to cover, uh, is, set to co- uh, is set to the cover of the Doors classic song, People Are Strange, which was also tied to another previous previously made vampire film, the 1987 The Lost Boys. The trailer also confirms that the film is set in the same universe as Venom. And there's another quick shot of Michael Keaton in this. So Jared Leto takes on the role of Morbius, a.k.a. Dr. Michael Morbius, a scientist who suffered from a rare blood disease and attempted to cure himself to disastrous results. Instead of being cured, he became afflicted with the condition that was a form of vampirism. The thirst for blood, along with Fang, super strength, and f- and apparently has fought Spider-Man over the time. Uh, anyways, let's take a listen to this trailer because Morbius is coming to theaters January 28th, 2022. 
You need a doctor? <laughs> I am a doctor. I should have died years ago. People all over the world have my disease. I'm here. To find a cure. We have to push the boundaries, take the risks. If you're gonna run, do it now. Dr. Michael Morbius, you've been missing for two months. When you're a stranger, then you were found on a container ship that washed up off of Long Island. Faces look ugly when you're alone. What did you do to yourself, Doctor? I wish I knew. I went from dying to being more alive than ever. It worked. Not exactly. I have increased strength and speed and some form of bat radar. What else can I do? There are limits. There has to be. There's something inside of me. The hunt and consume blood. Michael. When you're strange, and you control it. I don't know. Half the city wants to kill you. We haven't had anything this good since that thing in San Francisco. The other half wants to control you. Hey, uh, Dr. Mike, you and I should stay in touch. I'd do anything to save a life. But I don't know what I'm capable of. You save lives, you don't take them. Are you here to heal the world? Or to destroy it? It's Dr. Michael Morbius at your service. Ooh. Cool. Um, I'll admit, I'm not familiar with Morbius, and I've been racking my brain if I've seen him. Like, because I used to watch the Spider-Man cartoons as a wee thing, and I don't recall, like, I, it's not coming to my memory. So, but I'm excited to see, like, I mean, I'm intrigued. Like, I, you know, and that's, says a lot about it like this is a really well done trailer if i may say so to get me like i don't know anything about morbius but i'm like yeah i'm i'm curious to go see this like i want to see what it's about based on the trailer he might not have been child friendly enough for the cartoon yeah yeah no, he, he was in there i remember <laughs> um I, but i don't remember there being a lot of episodes with him in it we're both talking about the uh, the animated spider-man Spider-Man, Spider-Man, radioactive yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in there. I, I don't know how this one hasn't made it onto my radar. I didn't even know about this coming out. Um, this looks good. I'm excited to see this. Well, I remember when the first trailer came out, uh, everybody like everybody started freaking out because there's that picture of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 
in, like spray painted uh, yeah. in, in the in the alleyway or something. Yes, I remember that from yeah. the first trailer. But, but we don't get we don't get a glimpse of that again in this trailer. This trailer is more focused on like Morbius and kind of like No, I think we, I think we do actually. Me. I think that wasn't there. Oh, really? Oh, I, yeah. I didn't pay, I wasn't paying That's that okay. close attention then. But the uh yeah, this this movie was was affected by the pandemic cuz it was supposed to come out like uh March or not March, like I don't know April May of 2020. I remember cuz we talked yeah. about it like earlier this year so i'm just gonna point out that i'm kind of weirded out because i'm really excited to see this and normally a january release like is gonna be a flop but they have so little room for movies right now because they're packing it all in that i'm like okay we're creeping into january Uh, now i wonder if uh Maybe they're trying to pack them in so the movie studios can make up some money. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, okay, Tuesday we have we've got Matrix Four. Wednesday we've got Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. All right, moving on. Check us out. Warner Brothers has released the official synopsis for Matt Reeves' The Batman, and in it, it is calling Batman disillusioned and a desperate vigilante. All right, Warner Brothers. That's right. They've released that official synopsis for the highly anticipated DC film, The Batman. The synopsis doesn't really offer any details in regards to the plot, but it does offer some interesting insights on the tone of the film and the psyche of Bruce Wayne and what he's going through. The synopsis reads, quote, The Batman is an edgy, action-packed thriller that depicts Batman in his early years struggling to balance rage with righteousness as he investigates a disturbing mystery that has terrorized Gotham. Robert Pattinson delivers a raw, intense portrayal of Batman as a disillusioned, desperate vigilante, awakened by the realization that the anger consuming him makes him no better than the ruthless serial killer he's hunting. The Batman is now scheduled to hit theaters on March 4th, 2022. You know, and I'm I'm glad they finally released that synopsis because I've been like, because they keep hinting that it's, you know, this movie is, is supposed to be a totally different take on Batman. And that, and I've been like, okay, how? Like, how are you doing a different take on it? And I felt like that synopsis, I'm like, okay, I see yeah. where this is going. Because yeah, as far as I can think, none of the other Batman movies have really touched, like gone about that way with an origin story. Um, so I'm excited. Like if, if I'm a sucker for like intense, dark human character struggle kind of thing, yes. like balancing between what's right and what's wrong and to- like figuring out that line between the two, like Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, you know? And so I, I I'm like, okay, I'm looking forward to this. Like this is mm-hmm. going to be cool because I, I'm looking forward to see how he has to struggle through that to become like what he wants to be as Batman. I think yes. that is a good take on an, a better origin story take kind of thing. So, yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Struggling to balance rage with righteousness. That's what yeah. stands out the most to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited that, to see that. Yeah. I think those words right there uh, do more to, tell me what's going to be happening in this film uh, than any trailer that we've seen so far. I mean, the trailers have been nice, but yeah, that, that really does help. And so. the serial killer part, I'm trying to think. 
Oh, it's going to be uh, the like, Riddler. Oh, the Riddler. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be. The oh, Riddler. that's right. Yeah, the trailer alludes, like says points that out. I just never viewed the Riddler as a serial killer. I was thinking like Hush. <laughs> mm. um, do we know yeah. who's playing the Riddler? Uh, we do. I don't know off the top of my head. It looks like a Google search is happening. Is that right, Jekka? Yeah. <laughs> uh, IMDb. Yes. Oh, IMDb. Yes. Yeah, that's mine. Uh, stay tuned. Well, I'll, I'll race you. Yeah, the the um, Paul Dano. You know, I pick up a lot of that uh, that you know edgy kind of. And we talked about this before with the, with the trailer, how it seemed a lot more gritty and you know, and they use the word thriller, right? And I wonder if they mean it's that like in the classic sense of the word, like it's going to be a thriller kind of movie. Um, but yeah, it's looking really good. Disturbing like is Paul a, uh, Dano, I think. Yeah, Dano, Paul Dano. Paul Dano. I've never heard of him before. I okay. haven't either. It'll be good. All right, check us out. A new trailer for Stranger Things 4 is teasing life in California for Eleven. The fourth season of Stranger Things can't get here soon enough, and while we continue to wait for the series to finally premiere, Netflix has dropped a new trailer called Welcome to California, and it puts a focus on Eleven's life living in California with Will Byers and his family. In the trailer, Eleven is writing a letter to Mike, who is still living back in Hawkins, Indiana, and she's telling him about her time in California, and she mentions how she's excited to come back to Hawkins during spring spring break so that she can see him again. When talking about season four, producer Sean Levy said that season four is also the show's most ambitious season yet, saying, quote, I'll just say that we are long delayed and the Duffers and I want to share season four with the world as badly as the world wants it. Part of what's taking time uh, is part of what's taking time is long before COVID and the pandemic existed. Season four was built to be by far the most ambitious, cinematic, sprawling and epic season that we've ever done by not just a little, but by a lot. So the complexity of season four, even before we had the obstacles, hurdles, and challenges of a pandemic, it's taken a lot of time because it is super worth the wait, end quote. Season four of Stranger Things will hit sometime on Netflix in 2022. Here we go. Dear Mike, today is day 185. I think I have finally adapted. Hold on to your butts, bro chachos. I even like school now. Live. I have made lots of friends. So many lives. Even so, I am ready for spring break. <laughs> Mostly because I get to see you. We will have the best spring break ever. Ah! 
So what I like, and I, I, Austin was shaking his head at me when I was shouting out lies, was because she paints this wonderful picture of her life in California. And the trailer, it shows how she's just totally making it up and how she doesn't have friends at school and they're spitting spit wads at her. And so I, I do love that she's trying to be, paint this picture of, oh, my life's being great here in California. I can't wait to see you. It's not that I can't wait to leave because <laughs> people suck. It's that, oh, I'm just, I'm so excited to see you. And I love that. I get the sense from this trailer that it's like the pre credit scene to episode one. Because, I mean, it seems like that she lives out in California and they're just going to bring her back and they're going to have the Hawkins adventure, right? Who knows what's happening in Russia, right? <laughs> I mean, there's that whole storyline. But I don't see how they're going to – I I, I don't – I mean, look, it, who knows, right? It's Stranger Things fantasy. But, you know, that's three – that's California, that's Hawkins, that's the whole Hopper thing going on. I, I don't see California really playing into this, but I, I got this. I, it was cute. It was a cute trailer, like an intro. But like I said, it, it seems like it's the, you know, it's the pre-credit scene to to episode one. And then we're going to roll from there. You know, uh, I, you know what? I, I didn't have that reaction when I first saw it, but after you mentioned that, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the, we're, what we just saw there, we'll see like in the first like five, 10 minutes of the first episode. <laughs> yeah. And Amanda's right. She's, you know, Eleven's representing something that's not necessarily authentic to Mike and her letters. Um, mm. So yeah, it'll be, uh, is that playing with her? Does she have her powers? I mean, if somebody shot a spitwad at her, is you know, she, there is might she be ramifications if she had is she her she going to run into other kids that were numbered in California yeah. as well? It's true. It's true. Hmm. Or is, are they going to start chasing her while she's in California? <laughs> they track her down. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a spring break in Hawkins that uh, are, everyone expects. Are will they turn going out. to run into some Russian spies in California? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, comrade. Are you going to the beach too? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Check this out. Some sad news. Patty Jenkins' Star Wars Rogue Squadron movie has been delayed. Production on the Star Wars Rogue Squadron film being developed by director Patty Jenkins for Lucasfilm has been delayed. The film was originally supposed to go into production in early 2022, but that's no longer the case. Jenkins has been developing this movie with writer Matthew Robinson for more than a year. And according to a report from Deadline, she is, quote, reportedly figuring out her future schedule, which includes directing Wonder Woman 3 at Warner Brothers and Paramount's Cleopatra, end quote. So a few months ago, Jenkins said that Star Wars Rogue Squadron would be her next film, but obviously that's not the case anymore. At the time, she had the following to say, quote, I'm definitely doing Rogue Squadron next, and I'm excited to do Wonder Woman 3. The Michael Stackpole books and video games in all the Rogue Squadron books, there's an incredible history that's really important to honor, and yet it must be brought to a new age because we have to tell a new story with it. And so you're excited to blend the best of everything and make it the great 
fighter pilot movie, which I've always wanted to make as well. It's a big brew of things that you're trying to put together and still trying to keep a simple story, end quote. Well, this latest report from Deadline makes the point of saying that Jenkins is still committed to Rogue Squadron. Uh, and with that, uh, the filmmaker being so confident that this would be her next film just a few months ago, the, the rumors and reports from Deadline is basically saying that the delay is coming because the script for the film just isn't ready yet. So she's looking to jump on another one of her projects that is being closer uh, to being done and ready for production. So as of right now, the release date, though, for the film is still December 22nd, 2023. That remains unchanged, but it may probably get pushed back, though. I don't know. What do you guys think of this? I, uh, I'm... I'm bummed about this because this is one that I was looking really looking forward to, but you know, if the script's not ready, then I'd rather wait. Right. We don't want, we, we don't want to bomb. We don't, we want something good. And if that takes a while longer, it takes a while longer. I was talking to a guy. I went back to the office for the first time uh, a week before last. And I was talking to a guy there who uh, he's, He's really into Star Wars. He's in the 501st and all of that. And uh, he, uh, we were talking about all the projects that were coming down the pike. And this was one that we mentioned we were both pretty excited about. So I'm a little bummed to hear it's going to be delayed. But I don't know. Uh, you know, it hasn't ever been in my life before. So I'm not going to miss it too much. And when I do get it, I'd rather consume something that's, uh, that's, that's going to knock me back rather than than bum me out. <laughs> so. and, and this is the closest release date of any Star Wars films tonight. Yeah, right so now, right? so how how wow. old will how old will our little one be when she first gets to the Star Wars movie? Um when all of our children get to the Star Wars movie, so our, our child that's gonna be going to see Ghostbusters, she'll be um, she will be eight by the time She will be eight when she sees her first Movie in the theater, which will be no, that is okay. cruel and unusual punishment. I'm sorry. Right, I let's move on. And the other one, let's would be move seven. on. Sorry, You're interrupting well. me. I have something important to say. All right, you ready? All right, here we go. Dwayne Johnson is saying that he, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds are thinking of campaigning behind the scenes for a DC yeah. Marvel crossover movie. So fans. I've been waiting for DC and Marvel to maybe make a crossover movie for a while now. It's been on their wish list. I mean, the two comic book powerhouses have done crossovers in the comics, but could it actually happen on the big screen? Well, Dwayne Johnson, who's set to bring DC's Black Adam to the big screen next summer, he recently told Variety that he and his Netflix film Red Notice co-stars Gal Gadot, who obviously plays Wonder Woman, and Ryan Reynolds, who obviously plays Marvel's Deadpool. Well, the trio have been talking about how they might be able to bring DC and Marvel together for a crossover film. Well, that's pretty interesting. So let's take a listen to Dwayne Johnson himself commenting on such. Here we go. Final question. Crossover with Black Adam and Wonder Woman. I think there's a crossover with Black Adam, Wonder Woman. What we were just talking about today was, you know, I turned to Ryan and Gall and I said, what, there should be a crossover Marvel and the DC Universe. And we could be the ones to possibly make it happen. So we'll see. We'll see what happens down the road. If any 
anyone could do it. Dwayne The Rock Johnson can. Make it happen. Yeah. I could do a few things. We'll see. (laughs) I would love to see that. I really would. I, it would be, even if it's just those three, I, it would be worth it. Worth it to do and explore. I mean, I would love to see more people brought in. Uh, I would say, especially with kind of like the cadence of like those three, I would like the flash would be good. And, and even, um, Aquaman, although like, I'm not a real fan with how DC is portraying Aquaman, (laughs) but Hey, Jason Momoa mixed in with all that. I'm like, that'd be great. I would be okay with Deadpool being in any crossover where he breaks the third wall and makes commentary about all the people around him. Yes. That would be okay. (laughs) But I don't see any other need for any other characters, just Deadpool. Well, but check us out. If, If this was successful and Ryan Reynolds was involved, not only could he return as Deadpool, but he could return as Green Lantern and his dead <laughs> oh his, his, his Deadpool character could oh, have a conversation happen. with his Green Lantern character. That'd be oh, pretty. that needs to Deadpool happen. This needs to happen. Better converse, better comments about Green Lantern. <laughs> and that conversation would be refereed by Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. Played. It, it has to be played. Wolverine has to be played by um, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Jackman. That's the only referee that can referee. Oh, (laughs) yeah, for sure. sure. I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk some Eternals. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? (laughs) Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our main event, Eternal Nerd Out! Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos or any war or all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? to find the others. I haven't seen some of them for centuries. Hi. Hello. This is what the end of the world looks like. At least we have front row seats. 
You know what's never saved the planet? Your sarcasm. We've loved these people since the day we arrived. When you love something, you protect it. Fall Collection, Ikea. Hey, special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button. We really, really appreciate you. Please help us get the word out and tell a friend about the podcast. And I want to invite you to hit that podcast subscribe button if you've not done so already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Anyways, all right, Eternals. It was terrible. What? Oh, man, it was so awful. Why? I don't think it was nearly as bad. Way too many main characters. Way too many. And, um,. There's actually something that Austin wanted to talk about that I will definitely be explaining why it made Eternals awful that they did it. Um, But they had way too many main characters. You get like 15 minutes of kind of getting to know a character and then it's off to the storyline again. And with their whole ensemble jumbling together and you're trying to figure out why they really matter... And why any of this is important. I got I gotta be honest with you. I uh I didn't think it was nearly as bad as everybody online is saying it is. And uh I gotta be honest with you, I I it sounded to me like you wanted more focus on the character. None of the characters interest me. But no, 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 let me finish. None of the characters interest me. But the the story, the plot, the 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 questions of uh of the, the the morality that was being presented in the film that actually did interest me quite a bit i i i loved the moral dilemma i loved the moral dilemma but you didn't have characters that you cared but when, that didn't, why they were having this moral dilemma but that didn't bother me at all the, the i found the moral dilemma to be much more interesting than the characters and i have to mention I found the moral dilemma in this movie much stronger than many of the other MCU movies. And that's my problem is the story had so much potential and it felt like they just squandered it. Well, okay. Okay. I will say. (laughs) And I think that's part of what breaks my heart is because it was such a great moral dilemma. Okay. Okay. I will say I was disappointed that when all things were said and done, the moral dilemma and everything that was interesting about this movie, and, and it was so unique compared to everything else the MCU's put out. In, in all reality, this felt more like a DCEU film than a Marvel uh, MCU film. But 
this film with this uniqueness and, and all that boiled down to, okay, we have to kill the bad guy thingy. And the bad guy thingy wasn't even a bad guy thingy. It was a baby. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it was a space abortion is what this was. That's what this movie was about. I remember watching this thing. I'm like, okay, so the whole premises is getting wrapped up and we have to like kill this space baby celestial. Is that really what we're doing here? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, Amanda's Amanda's observation that, you know, there were too many main characters. There are a lot of big names in this movie. Um, and with, you know, you could say the same thing about the Avengers. There were so many main characters and all of that, but you have a build up to that. You, you, yes. You, the Avengers are kind of to a greater or lesser degree, uh, you have a cultural awareness in America of the Avengers already, but you know, you have the Iron Man movies, you have the Hulk movies, you have built Captain America, right? You built it up. It's really hard to take so many main characters and big name actors and just toss them in a movie and say, go. I, I like this movie more than the critics uh, online. And apparently Amanda, because it it felt so fresh. Yes, I'm saying that it felt it felt so fresh for an MCU movie. It it did not follow the MCU uh, formula completely. I mean, it's, it's jumping around with time jumps. It's showing deeper uh, deeper discussions. So much more irritating. I never so much me. more. Irritating. None, none of that bothered me. But but this. Do you remember when when we got when we were talking about Black Widow? I like to me Black Widow was probably the pinnacle of the MCU's formulaic style and it was becoming boring to me. Uh and I was tired of seeing invincible superheroes that weren't really dealing with anything that made them struggle. Um and you know, whether the struggle was physical or psychological or whatever. And and what I liked about this film is that there was a struggle. There was a real moral struggle in which side is right. And what was so interesting was both sides had a good, relative, valid argument. Like, like throughout the movie, I was like, well, I don't know which side I would be on. Would I be on the side of Icarus? And wanting to, you know, have this celestial birth so that way trillions of more people on other planets can can grow. Or am I on the side of uh, whatever her name was? I can't remember her name. Cersei. Uh, yeah. Uh, and trying to save humanity. Like both sides had a legitimate argument. And, uh, and they had to draw a line in the sand. And they had to, even though they were friends for thousands and thousands of years... They, there was a line in the sand and they had to cross one or one way or the other. And and that's why I think I actually kind of felt this movie was fresh because it did not follow this formulaic. All right, here's the bad guy. We learned about his plot. Let's go beat him up. And then, you and know, once again, it, it, for me, I, I, I did. I really enjoyed the moral value debate that happened in it. I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed many aspects of the storyline, but there was just, it felt flat. I never felt like emotionally really pulled in 
Did the Watcher and- show up in this one? <laughs> oh, Watcher's been in everything. I'm trying to figure out how this is going to tie into the rest of the MCU. Well, and, that that uh, that was the interesting thing, is that this film really did not tie into the the overarching plot. Across the MCU that films, that way in stage they can four. drop it if it's not successful. Well, no, I mean, they the, according to the end credit scenes, they're not just going to be dropping this thing. And they've also said that the Eternals will return. Um, Ma- the, Mario Brothers said that too. <laughs> just going to point that out. Yes, but but what's like the main celestial in this movie? The big red one. I uh, got to be Arishim. honest. Arishim. Arishim. Yeah, it's not right. Anyways, Arishim. The celestial, those those celestials were pretty dang cool. Anytime they showed up, it was like, oh man, I love I love the visual, uh, the the visual presence on the big screen that these celestials had, and it was a lot of fun to watch them. Uh, I don't know, be birthed like giant fingers coming up and like moving, you know, entire land masses and all sorts of coolness. Well, and the so. Cr- and, and they left it off on such a, a awesome cliffhanger. Orishim, or whatever his name is, he will be judging humanity based off the memories of the Eternals that were there, and he will make a final judgment. I mean, that is setting up something pretty dang cool for the MCU. Well, and you talked about the the critics' you know reviews of it being somewhat negative it's got a 48 percent on rotten tomatoes but the audience score oh, is 80 percent it has dropped 80 percent so uh, uh for audience yeah audience. so okay. yeah it's not top tier but i mean it's that's pretty positive if i made an 80 on a test that was all right you know that this movie for for the mcu was probably about as different uh as joker was for the DC mm, films. No, yes. No. Yes. No, no, there are two different movies, but they they were movies that did not follow the formulaic uh okay. process they, that their predecessors Austin, had created. I, I think you're giving way too much props <laughs> to Eternals. Like on an extreme no, way too no. much props. Joker was an artistic film. Well okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Eternals is not an artistic film. <laughs> it still follows very much the superhero land. It, it, it adds a moral value dilemma. It adds some depth to the storyline. But at the same time, they had too many characters to be able to reach the depth they needed. I think the Eternals was not a perfect film. I know I'm just ragging on, on how how much I liked it. But I but I think I think it's uh I think it's un fairly getting trashed because i gotta be honest with you i i think i enjoy the eternals more so than uh every marvel film since probably spider-man uh far from home okay well let's bring up the superman thing that you wanted to talk well so no i just found i just found this thing online that the uh the director uh something zhao chloe zhao uh you know, I, I remember watching when, when we were in the theater watching this, I, I just had this recurring thought over and over and over again. I was like, man, this this does not feel like an MCU Marvel film. This feels more like a DC film. And then shortly after uh, the movie came out, after we watched it, 
uh, I saw some stuff online that started to, uh, you know, kind of confirm why I felt this thought this felt more like a DC film. Uh, and it's because um, I guess uh, Icarus was really kind of, you know, was was kind of betraying uh, Henry Cavill's Superman and Man of Steel in a lot of ways. And I found this quote uh, when asked, we're talking about the director, when asked about how Superman could have inspired the character Icarus, Zhao replied, quote, you said it, not me. Superman is the, and she says some German word, uh, which apparently, yeah, sure. Anyways, anyways, it translates to the ultimate man. Superman is the ultimate man. The Superman, a concept that exists in all cultures of all modern interpretations of Superman. This is Zack Snyder's with Man of Steel, which inspired me the most because he approached this myth in an authentic and very real way. I remember thinking it was Superman by Terrence Malick when I saw the trailer. This film left a strong impression on me, but Icarus is, of course, our own take on Superman, end quote. And they did such a terrible job what? with it. Like, okay, Austin, <laughs> I was just about Austin, to say, I actually really liked Austin, Icarus's portrayal. Can, can, can I say this? Yeah. I prefer Man of Steel to Icarus. That's how much I didn't like Icarus. Oh, uh, what? For what reason? Man of Steel had more personality. What? Um, Icarus, they were never able to fully develop it. All they did, they spent the time making him look like Superman and didn't spend the time developing him as a character. You know, I, I find it I find it very interesting that you're so character driven and and use that as a barometer if, if the movie's good or not. And and I'm kind of the opposite end. Like I really do not care about the characters at all. What I cared about was the situation and the moral dilemma that they were facing. And I found that to be just so much more interesting than any individual character. I could not have cared less about the characters. I need to be emotionally brought in. And they never emotionally brought me in. It's funny you say that because um, when it comes to me liking a movie or even a book, for me, it is character development, like how the characters grow, especially when they face moral dilemmas. And there's been very few cases where the plot actually over like compensated enough for that character like if there wasn't good enough character development there's been few cases where like the plot compensated for that that i still liked it kind Hmm. of thing and don't ask me for an example because i can't think of one on the top of my head but i know they exist yeah (laughs) so i i will admit i i'm it's not as bad as I feel like I'm making it out to be, but at the same time, it's not good. It's a meh movie <laughs> where it's just like, it wasn't worth my time oh. to like even sit there and like crack jokes because it felt so flat and boring. Oh. Well, it's interesting. Cause so I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, I had friends visiting out of town, so I was sightseeing and then I was, I just realized I'm like, I could have gone and seen it today, but I took a nap instead. So <laughs> what'd your brother say about it yeah but my brother went and saw and so i asked him about it um so he said so for him he felt like he liked shang chi more but he liked eternals more than black widow so or like as equal to black widow he felt like eternals and black widow were kind of on the same level for him but he liked it he liked shang chi more um, but what he did say, so I asked him, I was like, what was it about the movie that you felt was at least good? And he said, and like, um, 
he likes that the movie didn't have a typical Marvel villain. Um, mm. And then he goes on to explain, like, these celestials. Uh, I'm just going to read what he had texted me um, that he said, as I understand, it felt like the celestials weren't a typical villain because the emergence was like them hatching out of an egg, which is the planet. Yes. And the emergence was a part of the universe and existence since it happens to other planets. It happened to other planets in the past. Unlike Thanos, where he snapped half the population out of existence and in a way didn't help with balance or existence, this emergence thing is more like helping with the balance and yes. the balance of existence. So he said like what he liked about that was that perspective of it. Yes. And that That's, like, that it wasn't is what like I'm a talking true about. Marvel villain. It was just kind of like this natural event. It's not an apocalypse. It's like an apocalyptic event, but it's not like an apocalypse. But it's like this event yeah. that they're trying to either prevent or allow to happen. So, so can I can I jump into a little bit of the of the plot because your your brother and I sound very similar in why we enjoyed the movie. Oh, go for it. Go okay, for all right, it. Yeah. all right. So, so here's the plot in a nutshell. Spoiler warnings for anybody who doesn't want. It. Okay, so uh, celestials are like these um, universal beings that go around and they basically help create other planets uh, and and create like life throughout the universe. And so uh, a a celestial takes like a billion years to basically hatch uh, like an egg from a planet. But the birth of a celestial basically also means like the guarantee of like, you know, thousands and millions of other planets being created and the possibility of life being spread throughout the universe. So, so celestials are not like, bad they're they're just kind of like the natural order of the universe you might say but but they uh but they do use planets as eggs basically and so the the eternals they're on this planet and they basically they're on this planet thinking that they're there to just basically you know kill and take out these like demon type of things so that way they can protect uh humanity but they end up finding out that the real reason why they're on the uh, on planet Earth is because they're there to ensure nothing, you know, interferes with the hatching of the of the celestial. And so what ends up happening is the the group of Eternals they they now have like this line in the sand. They either help the celestial be born, and with it, Earth basically is destroyed because it's like an eggshell breaking, basically. But with but with that eternal being bur- birthed, so too will you know thousands and tens of thousands, millions of other trillions planets, of yeah, lives. trillions upon trillions of lives will be created from this eternal being birthed th- on Earth or th- through the celestial being birthed on Earth. But the other line, uh, other side of the line, is that the some of the eternals don't feel that's right, and they want to try to somehow stop the eternal, uh, the the celestial from being born. And they're trying to figure out how to save humanity from basically dying because that's what's going to happen when the, uh, the when the celestial is born. And so I think that's a real interesting thing. It's like because it's basically taking, you know, Star Trek to Wrath of Khan, uh, you know, the, uh, the 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 needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And it's flipping it on its head. And uh but but basically, when the, when the by, by the time the movie's wrapping up, they basically turned it into like you know a giant space abortion. We have to try to like kill this baby before it. Well, 
born. So I, I liked how they were talking about if they could just delay the emergence to save the lives well, I don't of think, people on Earth. I don't think they really delayed it. They said they killed it. No, they at were the going, end. they were talking about how that's what they were. Well, going that's to what they're going to. But that's not what was going to happen. It wasn't working, so they ended up okay, just well, killing it. Okay, well, thank you it. for interrupting. And oh, okay, just, all right, like, all right. completely yeah. walking all over what I was going to try and say there. It's like positive things about the movie. But it's done now. You already talked, walked over it. All right. Um, but yeah, so, um, here's a question I have is like this whole thing with Celestials. Is this the same as like Peter Quill's father, Star-Lord, like that whole oh. thing that was happening in Guardians oh. of the Galaxy? Probably. Cause I'm like, I remember being introduced to Celestials there and the whole reason that Peter Quill could even hold that infinity stone and not completely burn up was because he was half Celestial. Yes, this would definitely be it because the Celestials can create planets. But the problem with Peter Quill's father is he's actually rather small for a Celestial. <laughs> Very. Unless he's like super experienced and they can shrink over time or something. So, so, so it is like the same thing? Yes. Same thing? Okay. Yes, because the Celestials create new planets. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. That's kind of an interesting dilemma to put, to put you know, your, your characters through. It really is. That's a yeah, that's an interesting cool. concept. Yeah, and so so the the so there there really isn't a traditional villain. I wouldn't even honestly say the Celestials are villains in this movie. the The villains are the main. The both the heroes and the villains are the main characters, and it's it's more of just what side do you agree with <laughs> is whoever's the good guy versus the bad guy. So I mean that's not a traditional. Marvel cinematic, you know, formula movie. And, well, and I think not, that's why I liked it. So it's not a traditional formula for any movie, really. I mean, and, and I can see how some audiences might, um, because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't appeal to our lizard brain, right? You got good, bad, right? You know, that primal sort of, and, and sorry if I'm misspeaking there, Jack, I know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but you get what I'm saying, right? Um, there's not a clear cut line on, on who to root for or who to root against. And I can see how sometimes audiences might have a, uh, uh, trouble with that. Yeah. Well, and as I said, I really, really loved the moral value dilemma of it. It was, it really stands with, there were too many main characters. I mean, it would have been great if there were side characters and some main characters, but they didn't do that. So there were some end credit scenes. Yes, I'm curious about this. Do tell. And one, one of the, one of the characters spoilers. for the end credit scenes kind of throughout the movie. Well, so the first end credit scene. Okay, so so to help. So wait, give wait. Me some... I, would, I need the clarification. Is this like you got the mid credit scene and then yes, yes. very very end credit the, scene? The the mid credit scene. I'm talking about okay, the mid credit. Okay, so we have scene. a mid credit scene and a very very end credit scene. Correct. So I'm talking okay. about the mid credit scene. So but, if you go see it, you have to stay till the very 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 end. Correct. So to okay. provide just a little bit of context to the mid credit scene, um, by the end of the movie, I mean I'm sure you can imagine this would be the case, but by the end of the movie, because there's that line drawn in the sand. Uh, characters go their separate ways at the end of the movie. And one of those uh, cast of uh, members 
they're they're on a ship looking for other Eternals on other planets that are there to give birth to Celestials. And so they're on this ship, they're traveling there, and this group has a, a drunken elf, like straight out of D&D, come, come on the ship. And he gives a big, fancy, drunken uh, uh, introduction to Thanos' brother, who looks like... He actually looked more like, you know, a Marvel Superman than Icarus did. (laughs) So I don't know much about this Thanos brother dude. But he says something about like, uh, well, do you remember what he said exactly? No, I was actually going to say he looked more like (laughs) Peter Quill than Thanos. Yeah, I I mean, not have compared him to Superman at all. He looks well, he's wearing the cape and all that stuff like a cape does not. (laughs) I think he looked more like Superman than Icarus did, but. But anyways, he uh, he was saying something like, uh, you know, if you're going to do such and such, you're going to need my help. OK, so but that was it. Like there was no real Star Fox. That was what his nickname was, Star Fox. <laughs> uh, but I have I have I don't know anything about Star Fox or Thanos's brother. So I have no idea where this is going or if he is Thanos's brother. Well, I. I think he is Thanos' brother. I did do a little Google research. Okay. But uh, do you want to talk about the, the second, so the, the, the second end credit? the one is um, the actor Kit Harrington was in Eternals. And he played Dane Whitman. And in the... Okay, so... is the big One of the big spoilers is um, Cersei goes to talk to Dane at the very end. And that's when she gets captured by Arashim to go and judge humanity based on her memories. And so she just gets taken from him right as he's about to reveal his great secret. And uh, the end credit scene at the very, very end, he opens up a box. And earlier in the movie, she had encouraged him to talk with his uncle who he was estranged from. And... He's a, a character that in the comics, his uncle actually fought Iron Man. Hmm. And so at the end credits, he's opening a box with a cursed ebony blade in it. It's like a big, long black sword with uh, mummy wrapping on it. Yes. And what was interesting was he's like, basically, I... The, the the in the box it says mors mihi lucrum meaning death is my reward and so um he reached his hands reaches out and he says i'm sorry i have to try and before he can touch it an off-screen voice asks are you sure you're ready for that mr whitman and that voice belongs to mar marshala ali ah marshala Mahershala Ali, who will be playing Blade. So this is like, I don't know, like a, a sidekick to Blade or something in the upcoming um, Blade movie. The the Black Knight, he is the descendant of one of King Arthur's knights. Oh, that's cool. Well, we've got we've had Peter Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones in there. Now we've had Rob Stark. We had Marjorie <laughs> Tyrell. We've we've got with uh, Secret Invasion. We've got Amelia Clark coming. It only makes and that's just the MCU stuff, not the not the uh, <laughs> not the DC. So it only makes sense for Kit Harrington to show up, right? 
Yeah. So I, you know, the the MCU is starting to dive into uh, nooks and crannies of the Marvel universe that I don't know a lot about. I don't know anything about the Black so, Knight. The best part is, is the Black Knight has almost never had a successful comic book. Oh boy. And that's, that's what they the decided joke. to make start making some movies on. So huh? the, the rumor is, is because there's like not a lot of information on the Black Knight, they can really create their own Black Knight. Well, hopefully it's interesting. Well, the good thing about, you know, and you mentioned that they're exploring a lot of the nooks and crannies of, you know, the different stories, storylines, characters. I'm okay with that because, you know, some of them are going to bomb. Because they don't have that that familiarity, the audience doesn't have that. But there are a lot of comics that I had never heard about heard of before that are hits. I mean, you look at Invincible, you look at uh, the the Boys, Umbrella Academy, uh, Lock and Key. You know, these are all comics that Preacher. Even I don't know if you guys watched Preacher. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you I went and bought all the Preacher comics, right? Because but you look at some of these um, comics that I'm not, that I have absolutely no awareness of or that I'm just not as familiar with. And, you know, some of them are really awesome and there's stories that can be, that either can be told straight from the comic books because they're popular or, I mean, because they're good and just never made it into popular culture or they're scant on details and can be fleshed out in the universe to fill any voids that may be needed. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually really okay with that. I, uh, I wonder, I just had this thought. I wonder if, if the black Knight is successful, I wonder if the MCU will start developing and creating their own brand new, uh, superheroes that have little to no, uh, comics at all. Maybe just some completely brand new. That'd be kind of interesting. And I don't know. It would be interesting because, like, if there's not a lot of comics, that kind of gives them liberties in a way. Yeah. They can take it where they want to go. They can do whatever they want with it. They're not bound by comics. And, like, you know, with that, you can't well, have fans getting, up like, upset <laughs> if there's not a lot of comics, you know? like. One thing I have to say is, is if they start going down all these, in, I'm going to call them interesting routes. <laughs> Rabbit holes. Yeah. Uh, the white, white rabbits. <laughs> then when are we going to start seeing the X-Men Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yes! Amen, brother. You own them again. And we're like, what, like five movies or whatever into the... Yeah, uh, they keep like dancing around it by saying Inhumans. And it's like, come uh, on, we know what you're talking about. Come on. Yeah, let's let's start setting up some X-Men. I, I think, am thoroughly looking forward I to that. I think they're waiting for the multiverse to change things up because it does so many things don't make sense in Avengers without the X-Men. And if you start adding the X-Men without explaining why weren't the X-Men involved in civil war, which is really about mutant rights. Mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. I think they have to do the multiverse. Like let that, carry out and finish off with basically now introducing X-Men into the universe. Ooh, I wonder if maybe Doctor Strange in some way, shape, or form accidentally uh, flips, a, flips a switch that activates the mutant gene. Or that would if be he brings mutants into their universe. Well, sure, but yeah, somehow Doctor Strange is the reason why people are mutants. That'd be interesting. 
I know I'll never get it, but I really would love to see Quake in a movie. Me too. Me too, Brady. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want to see Quake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would her. really have loved to see Quake in what? a movie. Okay, I don't know. Daisy Johnson. Who? From Agents Wait. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Oh, okay. Quake. Yeah. Oh, okay. We, we yeah. did not keep Sky, up with AKA Agents Sky. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Yeah. So. She's so she was awesome. good. She was a bright spot. Her and Mac yeah. were really bright like spots her, in that. Mac, give me Fitzgemma. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and May, like, I just, I mean, Ming Gong Wen is, like, already, you know, going great all over it with, like, these movies. But I'm just like, I just want to see Agent May. Like, I was really disappointed that they didn't bring them in for Endgame because I, I just wanted to see the original Avengers group, see that Coulson's still around, you know? I'm like, come on. Yeah. Bring him back. Yeah. Hydra said no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you, Brady. I'm like, give me Quake. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, and YouTube. Or wherever else you find us next week, guess what? We're going to be doing our eighth Superhero Smackdown special. That's right. We're going to be having some heroes heroes and villains from movies, TV, comics, games, everywhere fighting in a Mortal Kombat-like tournament. A whole lot of fun. Apparently, you fans really liked those uh, Smackdowns, so it'll be a lot of fun. So make sure... To leave us a voicemail with any thoughts you have between then and now at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. You might just be on the upcoming show. You can also email us any thoughts to supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. And I just have to say real quick, the next episode after Superhero Smackdown is Ghostbusters Afterlife Nerd Oh, man, I saw that on the calendar. I just started getting really excited. But, hey! Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. But from everyone at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. Bye-bye.